Hey everyone and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today I'm talking to Sanchintya Mohini-Simpson. This is a great conversation where we talk about the history of Chi's family across the globe and the process of unveiling that, that history, as well as intergenerational trauma, decolonization, and about the artist as a facilitator for healing. Now, as you can hear, there's been a bit of a boost in the audio quality of the podcast between last time and now, and it's only going to get better. Uh, we're building a little bit of DIY sound paneling, and there's a lot of new theme music coming in soon from the irreverent Isha Ramdas, who is Senchincha's brother, actually. Um, so that music might actually even be attached to this episode, so if you heard it, great. I hope you like it. Otherwise, stay tuned. Um, and now regular housekeeping. Um, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, but because you're listening, you've probably already done that. So the best thing you can do, tell one friend that you know about the House Conspiracy Podcast. Send them a link, tell them how they can join over 600 regular listeners in engaging with the thoughts, feelings, and processes of Brisbane-based emerging artists. I think the documentation we're doing here is really valuable, and so if you could help us spread that value around, it would mean the world. But now, on to the show. I've known Sanchincha for a while. I met her through her brother, and since meeting at a dinner party, she and I have crossed paths at, well, more dinner parties mostly, as well as arts events, and now here at the House Conspiracy space. Uh, She's got Studio One outfitted. There are books on the shelf that outline really what her practice is about. She's got contemporary India and South Africa, reparative aesthetics, a book about coolie women, and Inside Indian Indenture. Now, next to these books are two empty Red Bulls, a ripe Mandarin, and a couple blocks of spot cleaner. Along the bracing board of the wall, Sanchintya has carved in English her mother's name, Indrami, and beside that name has written a procession of other names written in the scripts of those women's first languages that they spoke when they lived. This is Sanchintya's matrilineal heritage from her mother backwards but I'll let her tell that story. Um, so, and you're pretty concerned with family in the current work that you're doing. Yeah. Because you're kind of in this, you, your, your, work is, your work is interesting, I think, for a lot of reasons, but... Largely, I want to sort of start by talking about like this this intersection you have between sort of research, self like self discovery sounds mm. that's too corny. That's not quite it. But um, and then uh, re- uh research, self discovery, and art and mm. like art expression of a culture. Yeah. Um, because I know you've looked sort of at commodification of your culture and stuff through sort of Chichi Masala. And sort of previous works that you've done, but now you're sort of tracing it back on a personal level. Um, and I'm just like you to sort of yeah. Well, I think quite early on when I was at university, still, um, I started making this series of work, which for me was a realization about my experiences growing up, and I guess this unknowing forced assimilation, like um, this whole in that sense, like. Um, all these experiences that I had were kind of made me made me feel bad about my heritage and that it was wrong and my culture and like you know we had like religious education classes in primary school 
um, which was only Christianity. Yeah. And if you didn't do that and you weren't allowed to do that, you had to do math instead. And like all the kids who did RE, religious education, only Christianity, got like lollipops and like had a really fun time. But we had to do math and like math was like the most awful thing possible in my world <laughs> like when I was a kid. So like this whole idea, like just this really sort of, I guess, like subtle ways of being like, you're wrong. This is right. You don't fit into this idea. Like, you know, just like, um, so I started being aware of that and like, I guess like how I was living that, like, like um, I tried out Christianity that's the thing, like, and I sort of really didn't realise how much of that was, like, sort of this pressure to be something I wasn't, mm -hmm. and, like, it was, it was really interesting, and I learned a lot from that, and I think, um, because I grew up very religious culturally, um, and now I sort of make my own opinions on things, but, um, you know, and there's, like, a cultural significance that holds for me, like, because that's my culture, mm -hmm. but I went through this process of understanding what was happening to me, and this sort of like unknowing assimilation into like this idea I had of perhaps like um, what you know you should be and like through all these subtle ways. So um, what you should be as in like in an Australian context, like yeah, like yeah, and, and and it was sort of really you know like you know when you're a kid or a teenager you really don't understand what you're doing, and I think art really helped me process that and understand that and kind of deal with that identity like especially being a mixed race like mm -hmm. you know like um like trying to fit in and trying to understand your culture and your identity is really confusing and I've kind of like um you know seen my brother's own experiences with this like watching him have the same things that happened to me like seeing him kind of deal with his identity um as well as like friends of mine I have a lot of mixed race friends and sort of seeing them go through this like how do we fit in, you know, um, in Australian culture, what to speak of, like, our own families and, like, own, like, you know, like, um, you know, our parents' background. Right, you because know. you're dealing with two different backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, or multiple even, like, um, mm. there's so many layers, like, especially with, like, when you look at, like, um, migrant stories now, it's not just, like, one, you know, black and white. It's not like that at all, and that's changing, and it's pretty incredible, like, when I see um, school kids and I see, like, you know, like, we are a multicultural society, but it's not really represented in media and culture, and it's, like, slowly changing, but, um, you know, it's a really slow thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow... Yeah, slow yeah, and um, with that work as well, I was sort of... Um, I think that's when I was working with my family as well so I sort of took some portraits of my mother and brothers um and I guess from there it just kept coming back to family and um people like me I guess this whole sense of a community and I was really interested in building a community um where we could understand each other's stories and support each other to kind of find strength in our own voices um, so all the work I've sort of made from then is about, I guess, um, a way for the people around me and myself to have, I guess, to use my work and my work as a way of self-representation. So like, you know, we speak for ourselves. Um, so I only work with, you know, um, 
other people, like other women or my family, just to tell stories that I only feel I can tell Mm -hmm. um, with the women or with my family. You know, I can never speak for anyone else but myself. So um, I guess with my practice and this work here, it's really about, um, like, I feel my role as an artist is, like, one of immense privilege um, because when I look at the stories, like the experiences of my mother and like her family and my family, like um, none of those women had that, like that privilege to, um, I guess, you know, have, have a voice that was so strong um, and be able to sort of share things and communicate things and criticize things. And um, so, you know, like I think um, both my responsibility as, as an artist is to kind of... Um, you know, I could never speak for them, but to sort of share their stories and their voices that weren't heard, and I guess to acknowledge them and their experiences. You're you're a vessel. You're a vessel for that, right? Yeah. Um, using the sort of skill sets, like it's a trade, really, yeah. like art, and so using that trade to sort of express those stories. I want to talk more about your process, but I think first, I think what might be more interesting yeah. to talk about, um, because I like asking questions I don't know the answer to, is. Um, what's what's unique that sounds almost condescending but what's what's different what what are, what are the elements of sort of being mixed race mm. and trying to fit into a society versus like being non-white uh, you know like a yeah. migrant single yeah. race migrant say well um i guess the whole thing with being mixed race or biracial is um you're kind of dealing with like how you fit into i guess this culture here the australian culture but also, um, like, you have two sides to your family or multiple sides to your family. And, um, you know, when I meet Indian people, other Indian people, like, I have Indian heritage, I'm half Indian, but I'm not really ever fully Indian. Um, I'm never fully white, like, but that, like, that sort of, like, you know, like, makes part of me. Um, but I'm never fully part of something. And I think um, a lot of mixed race... Um, Young people I've met really grapple with that, I guess. Pe- like, I think it's this, this thing that comes with it as well. Is It's not just that. It's um, every single day I have someone ask me where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And um, like that's really normal. Like Every single day I'll have someone ask me where I'm from. And what's it like? What's that moment like for you? And it's, it's, you know, it's really uncomfortable. And I think when people do that, they don't realise... You know, like, I've had people sort of, you know, I go, oh, Brisbane, because that's just my first response. I'm like, I'm from Brisbane. Like, I was born, I grew up, and I live in Brisbane. And they go, no, 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 where, no, where are you from? from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, you want to know where my parents are from? Okay, well, even then, like, my mum's from South Africa, but she's Indian background. That's what you want to know, right? So I have to give this, like, whole, like, list. Of, oh, and my dad's from here, but his, like, heritage is from here, and that's what you want to mm-hmm. know because... Where like um, you know like I live on you know unseen you know like I'm not from here I'm not an um, Aboriginal person I'm not Indigenous you know like none of us are from here and it's just it's this thing because of like my skin um, and because I'm ambiguous looking people have to have the sense that strangers need to categorize me mm. um, and they have to put me into a box and understand me and they don't do anything with that information afterwards. No, it's not useful. <laughs> yeah, and it's like and. You know, this idea that it's not racist, but if you saw a European person, 
like someone from another country who had white fair skin, you wouldn't go up to them and ask them, oh, where are you from? No, unless they're sort of very Eastern European looking, maybe. But even then. Like maybe if they had an accent, but even then they'd have to open their mouth and say something. Right, that's true. But like if you're in a shopping center looking at something and, you know, a businessman comes up to you, like in office works while you're looking at computers and asks you, where are you from? Or, you know, like things like that. It's just, um, and you know, um, you know, sort of, I guess my experiences and women and my family, you know, sort of my brothers and stuff, um, you know, like there's a sort of backhanded racism. Oh, you know, you got the best, the best mix, you know, your fair skin. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you're saying like my family, like my mum's, you know, like because of their dark skin, they're not as good. Like, it's just this, oh, you know, you must be the most beautiful in your family, if you're the fairest. I've had like people tell it to friends of mine and like, oh, you know, you're too attractive to be Aboriginal because they're fair skinned Aboriginal. Like, Whoa. just like, um, yeah, it's just really sort of warped this idea that because people don't fit an expected norm, like, you have to know who they are. Like, and even then, like, I've been with my dad at a train station and I've had like, like young dumb teenagers think I'm my dad's mistress because my dad is a white older male mm-hmm. and I am like a young woman of color and like no he can't be my dad or my grandfather like, he, like I have to be his like mistress and then the guy you know starts trying to chat to my dad about his dad went to Thailand with all this money oh obviously God. like just disgusting and you know that was really awful <clears throat> for my father because like my father doesn't really experience that like I you know like sure I can come across that and he was so worried about my safety and I was just like, well, it's, it's okay. you know, like, it's okay. Just, you know, like, it was really like, you know, my dad's old and not really well. And it was really awful that he had to experience that, you know, it's just, you know, no dad wants to think someone's like, you know, their daughters, are, you know, like, yeah, really yeah no dad wants to, wants to, yeah, have yeah. someone like, and you know, there's an element of offense there too, to like, there's almost an alienation for him. It's like, yeah. But she is my daughter. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we don't look alike, but, like, um, yeah, he's my dad. And it's sort of a weird thing. Like, you know, um, you necessarily don't look like your family. Like, mm. And people sometimes have this, like, disbelief that you can be related to. And I have friends, like, who are mixed um, in the sense, you know, um, Chinese, Indian. Mm-hmm. And um, people always tell her, like, she's Japanese. And she's like, I'm not Japanese. Like, um yeah, and it's just, like, this, like, sort of weird thing. And it's, like, it's becoming more common. And I think um, it's, like, sure, a multicultural society, but, like, this expectation of, like, racial segregation or this expectation that, um, you know, like, interracial relationships are not fair or something. Like, you know, like, oh, you know, you go to the Philippines and you get a beautiful young oh, Filipino. Right. Like, but like, like power. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like... Um, you know, I have friends like whose parents really love each other, and you know, one of them's, um, you know, German or you know, white Australian. The other one's like a Filipino white, and like they have a really, ba- you know, the, the the Filipino mother's in charge of the relationship, yep. like, and you know, like it's not, yeah. And I think people put a lot of stereotypes in this whole idea of like, um, you know, um, male brides and this sort of fetishizing. Yeah. Does fetish- it go back to sort of like the Vietnam War bride era? Um, or? I guess there's this whole kind of tropes when you look at like um, Asian women being fetishized in Asian bodies, mm-hmm. like this whole idea, like, you know, um, you know, like you look at John Safran's race, um, hit that documentary series he did. 
which was he... Was that the one on the BBC? Um, it was on ABC or SBS, I think. Oh, but, yeah, the SBS But one. anyway, like, it's that. so inappropriate. And, like, and I watched it as, like, a teenage kid. And, like, he's, like... I don't even know how he gets away with, like, he's fetishizing Eurasian women and fetishizing... You know, like... And this is when someone like that does it in popular culture, like, as, like, a kind of, like, exploring race. And then you have guys come up to you and be like, I'm really into Eurasian chicks. And you're like, cool, great, like... Cool, go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, um, you know, and, like, it's... I think it's, like, that whole, like, fetishizing the other and, like, the idea of the exotic and the different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, sometimes that comes out in a racist way. Like, it's racist in whatever way, but it comes out, like, in negative sort of um like either fear of the different or sort of like fetishizing exoticizing the different and the fetishizing kind of it's it's almost like a, a condescending racism right yeah. as opposed to like a cruel racism yeah and, and there's, there's like multiple um you know sort of i think like there's subtle and there's like obvious racism like microaggressions yeah microaggressions yeah um yeah and i think um people may think it's like oh you're just whining about people complimenting you but it's not like it's just a, it's it's kind of like you know there's been generations like of people who've lived here and then have people ask them where they're from and i think that's not okay you know mm. um this idea that you know like like i've been here all my life you know like i don't like it took me years to reconcile that i am australian like that was really hard I just never considered myself that because no one else did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so does that leave you... Do you feel more Australian? Do you feel more in alignment with your matriarchal or patriarchal heritages? Or um, do you find yourself sort of in an alienated middle point? It's actually really funny because I think everyone would have sort of their own opinion opinion um and if I had to classify myself like I hate I don't want you to no 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 I I know that but the thing is like when I have to fill out a census form or when Mm. I have to talk about my racial background it's really difficult because it's like I can't just write like you know what do you like you just have to write like a big list but you can't (laughs) even write a big list like let me give you this um, much space yeah yeah and um I guess the thing is like as uncomfortable as I feel with it like I I feel really uncomfortable calling myself Australian. I don't know. I, I can't say I'm from anywhere else. Yeah. Like, but I don't feel comfortable saying that I'm Australian because I don't... Like, there's so much wrong <laughs> with our society that... But it's just, like, that's... I'm affiliated with that. And... Um, but I, you know, like, I live on country that doesn't... That I don't have a right to be here. Like, it's unceded land and you know um that's something that i'm trying to understand as well um you know like like i really feel like i'm not from anywhere but i'm from here but i'm really not from anywhere um yeah and it's sort of i guess like my right to be here as well like i don't have like who has the right to be here and be on this land really like Mm. that um you know, that people were killed over and, you know, like, that really doesn't belong to me or sort of anyone but the First Nations, um, you know. And, you know, it's still unseated. It's still... Um, and I think for me to say 
like I grew up here, I live here, and I have so much respect for, um, you know, I guess, um, you know, the First Nations people, you know, who, whose land this is, and um, I guess, you know, I'm part of this culture and part of this country. Um, How, I, yeah. I, I, wanna, I wanna delve further into this, because this is something I've been thinking about a lot. How, how do you reconcile because yeah, there is the there are the complexities of sort of this is colonized or in the process of being colonized, depending on sort of which school of colonialism um, or colonialization you're looking at. Um, how do you reconcile sort of the idea that there is a very clear existent Australian culture, like there there is one, mm. um, but it's on land that maybe wasn't well that wasn't ceded that factually wasn't ceded. Um, how, how, what is the identity of people who are part of the Australian culture which exists? What is, what is their identity if it's not able to be collect, connected to the land? Do you, do you kind of get what I'm asking? Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. Hard. I think it's like always, um, always just acknowledging and respecting and recognising the first people, whatever, you know, wherever you are and recognising that wherever you go um, and finding, you know, whoever's country that you're on in, I think, recognising that and being part of that community as well, if, if possible, like um, supporting that community and being an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, like with this project that I'm working on currently, um, I'm working with um, Indigenous artist Brian Presley and my associate producer with Next Wave is Hannah Donnelly and they're both um, First Nations people. And for me, having their guidance is really important because I'm making this work on their land. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily like Ryan's land or Hannah's land, but right. um, country, you know. Yeah. But, um, like, they're... Like, it's really important for me to understand and have that perspective. Um, and I think... Because um, it's an ongoing process and it's an ongoing learning thing and being really open to that as well like mm-hmm. I don't know any of the answers like I'm 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 really learning you know um because like my mother's family were taken from India their land to South Africa as indigenous laborers but that wasn't their land either yeah but um you know um it forms part of their identity it forms part of my identity and I think it's it's part of that I think it's just part of the effects of colonization like we have this ongoing diaspora this ongoing just i don't even know how to express it yeah this ongoing sort of tension almost like yeah yeah i mean there's i have a friend who's uh doing a ph i was doing her honors on sort of australian landscape and how it's treated in poetry and she sort of stumbled across the school of thought of rather than uh, we being in a colonized nation, we're in a colonizing nation because Mm -hmm. it's still ongoing. Well, if you look at what's happening still, and you know, these, like, there are so many instances just daily, like, of of, um, our indigenous, our First Nations people being treated unfairly. Um, Like, someone in the community recently passed away 
and she was a real advocate and activist against fracking in um, the Northern Territory mm-hmm. in Arnhem Land. Um, and I think like her role was to look after the land and the government and corporations and everything. She was fighting against them, but like one person, you know, and a community battling against these giant corporations, like what effects does that have on people whose country like this is and whose whose role it is to look after this country, you know, what like how how does that affect, you know, how's that ongoing effect, you know? Um, there's just like that effect of colonization, like that's that's ongoing, you know, like look at that, you know, like they're fighting, you know, that effect it had on her, like, you know, her role as an activist to look after her country. Kind of um you know, just really um, just shows how messed up the system is. Like when you you talk of people talk about the stolen generation and past tense, but there's like children being taken away from families continuously, and you look at the percentage of children being taken away from families and communities. Like you know, mm. if you just look at like all what's going on, it's not it's not um, a past. You know, like it's not in the past. Like the effects of colonization are ongoing. Yeah. People often rally for decolonization um what i don't know does that resonate with you and if it does like what what does that mean for you because it's it's really (laughs) tough it's really tough because i think i think there's a struggle to find a consensus on what that would mean well let's look at it in really simple terms let's look at it decolonizing language Mm -hmm. decolonizing fashion um like it's it's a really big big thing but you can look at it in these small ways as well like um when someone's editing a piece of writing like think about the language there and think about you know um how that should be like um is that from a western philosophy or a western viewpoint of how writing should be or is that like um take into account um different perspectives on writing and storytelling um, and language, you know, language not being, you know, like if you look at like Aboriginal English um, and that's its own thing as well. Like, mm-hmm. and that's um, like, it's not, it's not like, you know, nothing's black and white, obviously. So I think it's um, like decolonization is something you can fight for, but it's such an ongoing like thing. And it's, for me, it's like, um, you know, I have to think about it in really small terms because it's like it's a big thing to mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to sort of like it's sort of me wearing like cultural dream piercings to a corporate job which you know like I do and have done and that was like you know and it's been sort of like this is my culture and you have to accept that you know um, it's, it's things like that um, for me like how can I do things in small ways to kind of reclaim something and it's hard when so much is lost what what is how you know and I feel like I'm not the best person I'm just talking from my perspective and I kind of really always want to communicate that this is all just my perspective um because there's some people doing really amazing stuff in the community in terms of decolonization and fighting for rights and doing some really amazing things but for me I just have to look at it in like small ways 
yeah. small steps. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you can only act as an individual. Um, yeah. Zooming out from there yeah. then. Um, you mentioned, and there's a book on your shelf, a couple of books, I mm. think, about um, Indian indentures yeah. to South Africa. Now, yeah. I don't know about that piece of really? history. Yeah. No. So... Yeah. Why are you looking into it? Why is it relevant to you? What, yeah. what, what role did it play in the world stage? What was the context? Well, um, I realize that's like five questions. But. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's like a massive topic. Um, so people may be really aware that... Um, okay, they're not aware. We just discussed that just then. Um, so I guess the British took people from India... Mm-hmm specifically a couple of parts um, as indentured laborers to work in sugar plantations and sugar fields and places like that. Is indentured laborers a fancy term for slavery or um, is it slightly different? So the conditions could be comparable to slavery, but it was for a period of time like, um, I think it could be like five years or it could be more, your children could be born into a denture if you didn't like live out the period um and the idea of it the idea of it is that after that period of indenture you are free to like sort of live your life and do whatever um, so my family were indentured laborers brought from south india to south africa um yeah um and this is this is for me i guess my connection to the story mm-hmm. um and um, they worked at the sugarcane plantations and different things like that. But, um, yeah, so people don't really know that India, like South Africa, has, like, a huge Indian population, especially in Durban. And so people go, oh, Indians. Like, I didn't know they were Indians in South Africa. Yes, they've been there for, like, generations. Um, and, um, yeah, they were there during the apartheid. Like, mum left during the apartheid. Um, she's never been back, but yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, um, Gandhi was there, but he wasn't indentured labor. He came there and worked and then left. So, um, I think he worked with, um, community there, like, um, like as an activist Mm -hmm. protesting. Um, but what I'm looking at, I guess, specifically is, um, the experiences of my family and tracing their history and tracing their stories and stories of, I guess, you know, of that time of um, what was experienced in particular of the women brought over, you know, um, and, um, like, their experiences, like, were harrowing when you, like, when I read about what happened, um, you know, like, even on the ships, like, I think they were coerced into ships and it wasn't ever, like, some of these people knew, some of these people didn't know, um, you know, that they would be taken so far, um, you know, like a lot of them were raped on the ships. Um, pretty awful experiences there. Um, when they were sort of sent to the different areas to work, you know, they were made to live in sort of small one room, you know, one room houses. And this would be with um, men that they weren't married to and, or, you know, if they were single women, um, like, you know, and if they were the husband, there'd still be like multiple people and, multiple men in that instance um you know like their experiences like if they had miscarriage or just given birth they were sent to the fields to work the next day um 
But one of the things that has really sort of struck me at this time, like trying to research my family history, um, and even in this area, is that um, history, you know, is told from, you know, white men, and especially like um, in terms of documentation by the British, um, names are written wrong, villages are written wrong, um, like they're sort of history like sort of doesn't really acknowledge women's experiences what to speak of like women of color so um i've been experiencing this real loss trying to find this information because i guess um like my grand you know my my grandparents are passed away um and there isn't really a lot of old people of a generation who have these stories to share and I guess it's that thing for me. Um, I'm currently, currently collecting oral histories and oral mm-hmm. stories to kind of collect them while they still exist because it's this sort of, I guess, loss. Because um, I think there's a difference between Western cultures and different cultures about how we continue and keep our history. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, like oral history is really important. So, um, yeah, that's something I've been trying to do. And even like, um, you know... Um, trying to find like I have a great aunt and I was trying to get her phone number off family I could like trying to add people on Facebook and asking different people and um how I found her phone number was looking at my um like her son's searching his name in the online white pages of South Africa and finding a name that okay this is his name this is this could be him like I thumbadoo okay this could be him so, like, calling the number and be like, hi, um, is this Ian Thumbadu? Is, is um, Grandma Mina there? And he, actually, he said yes. So, <laughs> it was like, okay, wow. So, like... Um, so this is you calling across the globe to South Africa? To a random phone number. Yeah, wow. Because, um, yeah, and trying to, like... And, and it was really lovely. She was so excited to hear from me and, like, it was really sweet. But she just doesn't know anything. Like, um, she like, you know, like... Like, she knows a little, but, like, it's just so much of it's lost. And it's trying to um, get that information about what happened. Because, you know, like you said, you don't know about what happened. And these women had awful experiences. And really, I think their history is so important to acknowledge and to have their representation. So... Yeah. Where these where these women are who don't who don't know anything about their past, are they are they still struggling with that with the same sort of stuff that you're struggling with? Do you think you're feeling it more acutely than them and you're sort of well positioned to sort of put that out as an artist? Or do you think like I don't know. Uh, how well, how are they? How are they doing? Well, I guess what I'm looking at with this other series of work is um intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. which is sort of this idea that um these experiences of these women sort of like this trauma has been passed down generation generation and um you know like um you know i've seen that through my mother and i guess how she's treated me and how she's dealt with her mother's treatment of her and i guess like you know like i knew my grandmother for a short period of time when i was young but um, this trauma and this, I guess, this 
effect it's had on them. And I feel like it's really profound, like really deep. Um, and I feel like it's my role to, um, to facilitate healing. And um, I've been working with my mother a lot and it's been really great in that sense. Um, Talk more on that. Talk more on sort of how your mother, how you're drawing like a whole like familial experience into this. So my mother and I have been researching together, which has been a bit of a process, Um, (laughs) but really great. Like I worked with mum a lot. um, And for me, like my role with her is is to to facilitate that healing. Like she's had a really traumatic experience. childhood really traumatic you know like upbringing and like you know it's not my place to speak about that publicly mm. um and you know like through making art with her and acknowledging her experiences that's part of the healing and you know we've done work we've traveled around india together and um i'm trying to get some funding to go to south africa and collect the old histories and take her with me and she's never been back to south africa so and she agreed if i get funding she'd yeah, go wow. with me to go and get, you know, like is that a that's a is that a big thing? That was not, I was I was like really shocked, like you know, like she always sort of like I asked her like years ago, and she's like I'd go if you pay for me, but um, that like you know like the fact that she would go and it's really traumatic mm. for her, you know, she left her in the apartheid, which you know like was awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not great memories. <laughs> not great memories, and um, I think she had a lot of awful personal, um you know, experiences and things that happened to her in her life that were really traumatic and have impacted her to this day. So the fact she agreed to go with me if we get the funding to go to do this research is pretty incredible. Do you think her ability to do that in part comes from sort of the, the therapy of the, the practice that you've been Yeah, doing yeah, together? no, I think, I think it's like this for her finding out who these people are and what happened to them is really important for her too and understanding herself. Like, she really connects with her Indian heritage and her culture and, like, religion, like, being Hindu. Um, and for her, like, she goes to India once or twice a year and that's something which really um, helps her. Like, it's a healing for her. But um, I think the South African side of the story is really hard. Um, so this idea that she's doing something and she's having a role and she's... Like, her voice is important, is important for me, and I think that's been really great, um, you know, and it's just, like, listening and um, understanding and... Mm. Artist as facilitator. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it, like, she's a collaborator in this project that I'm working on with Next Wave as well, um, so, you know, like, the fact that she's got a role in this story is really important, um, you know, and the fact that her and myself like if we want to find this information out we have to do it otherwise it's lost like these stories are lost in these like and I've been looking at sort of as well like paralleling experiences between like women in my matrilineal line as well which um yeah sort of is like a pretty like crazy thing with this I guess idea of trauma being passed down Mm, like sort of ideas of like cycles of behavior and cycles or just experiences like paralleling like things have happened to them and um you know just yeah how how do you think how do you think that is that that experiences parallel across generations well i guess you know um 
Like if if um. I think it's a really common thing, like women. Like it's just things that happen to women that don't get discussed. Like I think that's that's a thing. Things what that sort happen of stuff? as a dude. No, don't wanna, don't wanna. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, I, I guess it'll remain undiscussed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are certain things which, um, like, that it's my it's my place to talk about, and certain things that it's not my place Absolutely. to talk about. No, of course. And things that I can communicate in my practice, in my art, that I actually wouldn't choose to speak about because it's mm. about respect as well. Respecting those stories and telling them in the best way. Um, yeah, We can have a personal which... conversation about Jono. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm unoffended. I'm purely trying to, yeah. trying to provoke the most interesting response out of you that I can. But that makes sense, right? Because yeah. if, if you're going to tell sort of stories that are that are important and, and that are sacred then you need to do it in a con- in a controlled way and i don't i my role isn't to elicit trauma like again mm. you know like these are really traumatic experiences and stories and my role is to facilitate in acknowledging um these experiences and acknowledging these histories but not continuing that cycle by Right. Bringing up. Right. Healing, healing should in and of itself break the cycle. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you can do it in a way, like, and it's doing it in the most sensitive way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, with this work here, this is just basically about that acknowledging and that healing in a really simple way. Mm. Um, Maybe speak on that a little. Maybe yeah. speak on like what what's the work? What's what's yeah. the intention there? So. Um, this process, you're gonna really enjoy how long this has taken me, Jono. <laughs> I, I know, I, I know, I know what you're doing. This is for the listeners. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I've been trying to get the names of the women in my matrilineal um, heritage. So, like, I've, you know, obviously have my mother's name and my grandmother's. Um, so I've kind of gotten four, four of the names in this line. Which is pretty incredible considering how how hard it is to kind of collect these histories. Um, so I've got in the names, which is Indrami, Gonabaigam, Munima, and Muthma. Um, and what I've done is that I'm sort of, I had to get them translated into Telugu. I didn't have to, but um, I got them translated into Telugu which is um, the language of my grandmother and, you know, her family, which um, my mother doesn't speak and I don't speak. And I guess uh, there's this real loss of language as well, like this loss mm. of, like, when, when um, you know, the effects of colonisation, um, you, you know, there's so much loss and language is just one of them. Um, and I think there's a real sadness there. Like, I've learnt Hindi and I've learnt some Hindi and my mum used to speak some Hindi to me as a kid. And, like, my mum can speak so many languages. Like, she can understand Tamil, speak a little bit of it. I think she can maybe understand some Telugu, like, maybe, like, a little, little bit. Um, she can speak Hindi. She's self-taught, you know. Yeah, wow. Um, she's learning Bengali. Like, um, you know, she's she can speak you know, Afrikaans and a little bit of Zulu. Um, but, yeah, um, she was never taught Telugu. And I was obviously never taught 
how to speak or how to read Telugu. So I had to like um, get someone to translate it. So I had to sort of like search that out and then. Um, I guess I saw you doing that search on Facebook for a little Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. And like a friend of a friend. And like my mum's like, oh, I can get a friend to translate it. So she's getting a cross translation to check, I guess, that corresponding translation. Um, I think it's translated phonetically because mm-hmm. every language is different. And like Hindi's much more phonetic than English. English isn't really a phonetic language no. uh, at all. Um, yeah, so that's been really interesting. And it's like so foreign for me. Um, which is really sad, but I'm writing these words on the wall here. So I'm actually carving them into the wall. Um, and what I'm doing as well later in this week, I'm getting their names tattooed down my back. Um, yeah, so my mother's name will be in English and their names will be written in Telugu script. Um, and I guess the thing is like, even if the translations are wrong, that's a part of it as well. Like. I don't know. Like, I'm. There is that loss. Like, that's the, it's it's an approximation of history, right? When you've yeah. only got so yeah. much to go on. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like I know my mother's name and my grandmother's name, but you know, like, I guess, um, yeah. And so, like, I've been carving their names into the wall um, in some different places, and I guess um, as a way to kind of have them represented and acknowledged in a really literal way mm-hmm. just their names and the fact they existed and they're important enough for me to spend hours carving into a wall and that their stories and um i guess the power they hold in me as um you know my ancestors and my family um literally you know on my back, you know, weighing down in, you know, a really beautiful way, but in a way that it's my responsibility and my job to um, to do what I to do what I do as an artist and to um, make sure that I can facilitate and support other people's stories and um, you know, with my voice that I have as an artist, I think like um, to to you know, that's my role as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Your, your privilege and responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So by literally having their names t- tattooed down my back <laughs> as like a homage to them, but like just to acknowledge their, their burden, their weight, but also like, you know, the fact that I really appreciate them and, you know, their experiences and what they've been through for me to be here well like mm. yeah you know like and you know I have so much respect for my mother and um, you know everything she does and she's such a loving person who's had such a hard time and yeah it's just it's just what 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 can I do and you know do you see all artists roles as a role of responsibility or is it specific to you and sort of the sort of like very specific like familial practice that you have or is this sort of a a holistic view you have of the artist's role i'm just i'm interested this is well i feel i feel in whatever job i would do it would be i have to do something because Mm -hmm. i'm in that like i feel like you know i was able to go to university i was like 
in Australia, I have this incredible fortunate experience that I've never been hungry. Like I've always had a house to sleep in. Mm -hmm. Like I've always had clothes. Like even when we were really poor growing up, like, you know, I grew up in housing, in housing commission house on the dole. Like, but I've always had enough. Like I've always had enough. Um, so I feel like whatever job or whatever thing I did, it like it'd have to be something that was giving back because I feel like I'm really privileged um, and that's my responsibility. Um, so that in that sense is a personal thing. But I do feel like as artists and creative people, um, there should be that, um, like, you know, there is that privilege that comes with that, you know, like it's a tough job, like, you know. But um, there, I think there's a great privilege when it comes to being able to do something creative. Like, you know, the fact that it's such a luxury um, that I feel like we should take it really seriously. But I can't speak for everyone and not everyone does, like, mm. unfortunately. And maybe that, yeah, maybe that is showing how I feel about it. Like, I, feel, I feel like it is a great responsibility and a great privilege to be an artist and to be a creative person. Um, yeah, and you're obviously conscious of that, particularly given yeah. the subject matters that, that play on your mind. Yeah, and, um, you know, and I think, like, you know, my family, my, my siblings are really creative as well, and they play that out in different ways, and um, they're not necessarily activists or, like, political, you know, but I feel... Um, you know, everyone does it in their own way and everyone, like, I can't say that every creative person has to, you know, that's not true at all. Like, um, but that's what I feel like, that's how I feel I should do. And I think that's what I'm most interested in what other people do as well. But that's just, mm. that's well, just I think, natural. I know. I, I think, I mean, I think, I think it's fair to sort of mm. make that sort of broad enough statement that is like, be be aware of the value of what you're doing because yeah. you know creative people in society you know we don't produce um houses we don't build houses or anything but if you are if you're going to be creative you should do it with a consciousness maybe but i guess like the thing is as well like um creativity if we're going to go on creativity like that's I feel like a natural thing like you know and people express in different ways and some people are more creative than others so mm. um you know I don't want to discount that like it's because you're not doing this you should do that yeah okay. of course of course of course yeah. I think I think it's just about active consideration right? yeah yeah definitely um and especially when um people are being like you know, having work shown with mass audiences and have that position to talk about really important things I guess it's like, you know, like any situation, people either take that opportunity or don't. You know? mm, yeah, it, it's, it's complicated, right? Like once you, once you have an audience, is it, is it your role to keep, yeah. like what, uh, what amount of audience is it your role to stop doing just what you want to do and use it as a weapon or as a tool? But the same thing, this is just what I want to do. So, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. like, you, yeah, I don't know if you should be forced, but, um, you know, that's just, that's why I'm an artist. So, yeah. That's why you're an artist. So, sort of to, I think that's a good note. Um, sort of to close up, you're headed down to New Wave Festival. Next Wave. So, Next, next wave. wave Festival will be in May next year. Mm -hmm. um, and 
the work is to do with this research, but I'm not meant to say anything about it. So it's a then it's don't a, say it's, anything it's gonna, about it. But um, I'll keep you updated. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, yeah. what, um, what will you be doing after House Conspiracy then? What's your immediate, what's your immediate future? Um, You're obviously so, still working at IMA and yes. programming there. So just working on this project really intensely for Next Wave. Right. Um, which I'm really excited about and it's been really um, really great experience like I think what Next Wave does is really fantastic in terms of um, supporting artists from diverse backgrounds with diverse voices to do different things and you know performers and uh, writers and you know producers and I think um, yeah I think they're really great um, in terms of like what institutions can do so I've been really appreciating having their support and your support. Yeah. No worries. You, you earned it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the space. And I can't wait to see uh, what your final outcome is once you've finished your hours and hours and hours of carving. Yeah, and um, there'll be a video in mm-hmm. the space as well projected. Wonderful. Um, of the tattoo. Of the tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> fun yeah. for everyone. Fun, fun for the whole family. Except my mother. Except it's like, mother. why did we... <laughs> she really doesn't like tattoos? So ah. it's actually quite funny. This <laughs> <laughs> is like a respectful thing for her, but yet. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down and no, thank you, uh, good luck. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the House Conspiracy podcast recorded at House Conspiracy and produced by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. If you have feedback or you want to say hi, if there's something you'd like to see us do, you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org and you can email me directly about ideas for future podcasts at jonathan at houseconspiracy.org. You can also support us by becoming a member or by donating to us at houseconspiracy.org slash donate. See you next time.